You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. So, the title of my message is Miracles on Second Street. I, w- I was thinking, yes. Yes, I was thinking um, just this morning, I was like, how could I, I wonder if we could get snow to like come out on the tent. But then I was like, that's a little too late to, to make happen this morning. But maybe we can do that in, in the future, summer. How can we make snow outside? <laughs> Miracles on Second Street. Who knows? It could happen today. Oh my goodness. But we are believing and prophesying that Awakened Church is a house of miracles, that we would see these things happen all the time. So definition of a miracle, a surprising and welcome event that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be a work of divine agency. Okay, so that's a miracle. So come with me in your Bibles if you brought your Bibles, because I'm going to be, I'm doing a big girl message today. (laughs) I'm preaching from mainly one passage of scripture, so you can follow along. I'm going to reference it several times. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John 2.2. So I'm going to read it to you, and then we're going to come back through it. All right. So on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said, they have no wine. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Jesus said to her, woman, what does this concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to his servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 to 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them to the brim. And then he said to them, draw some out now and take some to the master of the feast. And he took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made to wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and he said every man at the beginning sets out the good wine and when the guests have well drunk the inferior and then the inferior but you have kept the good wine until now is it up there are you following okay great this beginnings of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him so we're going to be preaching from this scripture this morning so I love the great British baking show and I I've seen every episode I'm, I'm, I do love to bake. I don't really have time to bake things from scratch like they do, but I do love to bake. I make the box Ghirardelli brownies, which are great from Costco. Yes, they are so good. But I really do, do love to bake. And I think if I had a time to myself in the day, I would want to bake and I might want to go on that show. I love it. So, and everyone in the British show is so nice. Like in American reality shows, they're kind of mean to each other. And I don't know, but the British show, they're like, oh, can I help you? That, like, let me help you. And they're so nice. So I just really appreciate them. But in the show, if you've seen it, the, um, they have three challenges in each episode. The second one is called the technical challenge and usually the most difficult where they get, where Paul Hollywood or whoever the other judges gives them a um, list of ingredients and then they have to make it. A lot of times they've never seen it or know what it is and they don't know what it is. So they just have to read the ingredients and try to make it. And then the judges behind the tent, they show you what it should look like. And they're like, oh, why did you choose this? It's so difficult. And he's like, well, it's a good challenge, ha ha ha. And then it shows you what it's supposed to look like, what it's supposed to turn out. Well, I feel like God does that with us, with the Bible. And so this morning, I'm gonna share with you four ingredients for a miracle. So you might wanna take notes so you can reference these. Like I said, this is a big girl message. I have points. 
<laughs> yes. Okay, so the first thing you need for a miracle is faith. Faith activates God. God isn't moved by need, but he's moved by faith. So, oh my goodness. So, the, so Jesus, Michael pointed this out. Jesus wasn't going to do anything about the wine. He didn't care. His mom's like, they've ran out of wine. He's like, what does that have to do with me? So he wasn't, gonna, he wasn't going to make the water into wine just because there was a need. His mom, you know, mom's faith in making him go do it. So, oh my gosh, I thought that was so funny. And another uh, miracle in the Bible in Luke 8, the woman with the issue of blood, you know, all these people were um, thronging Jesus and Jesus is trying to walk through and there's all these people around. But she knew that if she touched Jesus, she could get a miracle. And so she went and she just touched the, the hem of his garment and power flew out of him. And enough that Jesus said, who touched me? What was that? I felt power leave me. And, and so it was her need that activated Jesus. It was her faith that activated Jesus. She reached out and got her miracle. So faith is a, um, a key component of a miracle. We need faith. A lot of people these days, they for whatever reason, don't believe miracles can happen for today. But I feel like miracles are more common than we even realize. A miracle where, where God has intervened, where there's a touch of God in a situation where you said only God could have done that. And I feel like if we really look, we would see more miracles than, than we, would, we would know. And, and I would say, write them down. You know, every... Um, Every time we have prayer, we've, we've been trained, and I think it's good that we start out with God stories. Cause, and in the beginning, it's sometimes like, well, I don't have a God story for this week because we do it every week. And so, but if you really think about it and you start to train yourself, you'll start to see the little things in your life and that you can thank God for and write them down. And, and so you can remember them and you can, it's, it's your testimony and no one can tell you that it didn't happen. Oh, good. Yes. I thought you were reminding me of something. So, um... And um, so it is a heaven intervention. And, and I feel like these moments, they really come with, um, you know, how we view God. Do we believe that God can heal? Do we believe that God can intervene and change our circumstance? So it's how, it's our filter of how we look at him. Could this just be a coincidence or could this be explained by science, you know, or is this something that, that only God could do, you know? And um, I was, when I was in college, I was a bio major and people were like, oh, wow, you're a Christian and you're a bio major. Was that conflicting? And I was like, no, because I've, my filter of God was that he was the creator of, of earth, of everything living. So every time I took a, bio, um, a microbiology class or a, a botany class, every little thing like only God could do this. Only God could make this, you know, happen. The human body, it's, it's amazing. Of all the things working together, I don't, to me, it, to me, it's like, it only points to God, right? And so I feel like it's the way you look at it, you know, and, and it's the filter of you, that you have of God. And, and some people have a hard time believing um, whether or not it's a miracle. Um, and that's why we tell God stories. And when people say, oh, well, God, don't tell Pastor John Heinrichs that God doesn't heal. He's like, God healed me. I don't know what you're talking about, but he was healed. Pastor John was in the hospital um, on you know, they, they asked him if he had a will. And three days later, 
after Pastor Mark prayed for him, Summer's husband healed in in the name of Jesus. And he walked out of there, you know, and Pastor Morgan stood on this platform last week and preached. And you can't tell him that God did not intervene in his life in that moment when he cried out to God. And there's so many stories of God, you know, healing and, and miracles. And I just love that this church is full of testimonies of that. So I just, you know, write them down, share them with people. It'll help build their faith. It'll help um, them to trust in God and, and, and maybe, you know, believe for one for themselves. And it just takes a little, little faith as a mustard seed, you know, and that's all it takes. So the next step is uh, in the miracle if you're taking notes. So we've got faith, and the next one is the action. So in verse 5, Jesus' mom says, whatever he says to you, do it. Then the servants went and filled the pots. So God is always involving people in, in your miracle. And it could be you, it could be someone else. So there's always a step of faith and an action attached to it. So faith without works is dead. So, so Mary's faith activated Jesus, and then the servants went and, and did it. So a lot of times we have faith, and then we pray, and then what do we do in the waiting? It's like, okay, God, I prayed, I have faith. And, you know, and that's when I feel like God's like, well, what have I asked you to do? What's in your hand? What have I given you to do? You know, maybe it's doing the internship. Maybe it's coming to prayer meetings. Maybe it's, I don't know, what has God asked you to do? And, and a personal one for me, it seems little, but God told me a while back to make space for him. And so it was just a little thought, but he's like, make space for me. And, for, and what that meant for me was like literally a space. So I was like, okay, I'm going to make a space. So I got a desk and that's where I I study and, you know, but I felt like just even to the point where I had decided in my mind that I was going to do it, I felt like the release come and then the breakthrough come. So sometimes we're waiting for something to happen and God's like, well, what have I asked you to do? And sometimes it's not related to the thing you're believing for. Sometimes it's like something else that he's asked you to do. You know, he's told you to go to prayer meetings. Have you, did you go to prayer meetings? But God, I just need this miracle. And it's like, well, I told you to go do that, you know? And so sometimes I feel like we are in our own way of seeing the breakthrough or the miracle. So take that home, think on it, reflect on it. If there's something you're believing for, what is it that God's asked you to do? And sometimes it's just being faithful with, with, with what he's given you. And a, a good example of this is giving and tithing. I mean, this is a direct example of... Um, where God says test him in this. And I know we preach on it every week, um, but it's, it's a perfect example because he's saying, do this, and then you'll see this. And Michael and I have believed in that. And so, you know, as we faithfully give, we see God bless us. And, and it's, a, it's almost the easiest, I guess, mere example of, of where you're faithful, more will be given to you. So every time... Um, Michael and I have bought a house. I think we've bought and sold like three homes now. Like bought, sold, bought, sold. Now we're in a house. Um, and every time we've went to buy a house, you know, there's, we always felt like there was a God factor in it. You know, either some point in escrow and twice we did like contingent sales. So it was like something was off over here and they were like, oh my gosh, if that goes through, then we're going to lose this one. And I felt like there was always um, a processing time. And it's interesting because I think we've had 40 to escrow. So every time it's been like a trial, it's 40 days of testing, which is not fun, but we got through it. Um, but it's, it's, you know, 
it's like, okay, God, we need you to move in this area. And so it's actually a really fun to, to be in those spots because it grows your faith. It grows you. And, and you really um, learn to trust God. And so I, I, buying properties is like one of my favorite things to do. Um, it's stretching and I hate it. It's kind of like working out, <laughs> but it's really good. So but what Michael and I um, learn to do is that we stand on his word and the promises of his word. So that's the next ingredient of a miracle is to be filled with his word. So in verse seven, fill the water pots with water and, and the servants filled them to the brain. I believe that this is telling us to be filled with the word of God. Water is the word. In Ephesians 5, 6, it says, washed over by the water of the word. So know his promises and declare them. Do we have a slide? Shelly? No, no slide. Okay. Well, I had a slide with promises, um, promise of promises, and there's so many promises in here. Get this in here. Yeah. So I just found this online, but I thought it was good. So promises that he's giving you. I will give you rest in the scripture. I will give, strengthen you. I will answer you. I will bless you. I will not fail you. That's for somebody here. I will provide for you. I will never leave you or forsake you. I love you. I'm for you. I will direct your steps. And these are just some of the promises that are in this Bible. There are so many promises in here. Whatever one you need today, you pull that out and you declare that over your life. This is the word of God. Get it in you. This is it. And God watches over his word to perform it. So these things, he, he will see these things through. So whatever one you need today, I'll get out of the way so you can take a picture. So whatever one you need today, you pull that one out. That's for you. The Bible is for each and every one. Each and every one of us. He doesn't have favorites. So what he's done for someone else, he can do for you. So stand on his promises. So get the word in you to overflowing like those water pots. And then the last ingredient is let God do what only God can do. God moves. So verse eight, now fill your pitchers and take them to the host. Jesus said, and they did. When the host tasted the water that had become wine and he didn't know what had just happened except for the servants, he called out to the bridegroom. Everyone I know begins with their finest wines and after the guests had had their fill brings the cheap stuff, but you've saved the best for now. So God turns the ordinary into the extraordinary. He used empty wash pots holding 20 to 30 gallons each and turned them into the best wine. That is amazing. Do you know that that's like 500 to 800 bottles of wine that they made? That seems a little extra, you know, but God, God is the God of extra, right? Thank you, Jesus. Yes. But I love it because that is the signature of God. He's like, well, you know, let's do six pots. Why six? I don't know. But, you know, why not? Maybe they were just there. Maybe it was what was available. He's using what is there. And, and so it didn't matter to him. And, and even in my mind, if I would have been like, that was a little, that's a little extra. Like if I was believing for a miracle, I don't even think I would believe for that. I would be like, oh, just, you know, maybe five bottles would be great or just enough would be enough. But, but God is the God of abundance. And honestly, who needs 800 bottles of wine? I mean, Michael, Brooke, yes, Jared. Okay, well, East Campus. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we should have an awakened vineyard. Can we buy one out here? Don't we need our own vintage? That would be so great. Okay, join Jake Trevor Hills right now. Awesome. But that is, that is God's signature on it. So somewhere between um, the filling where the water goes in the pots and the servants taking the water, 
And it says he took the they took the water to the master. It wasn't wine yet. So somewhere between picking it up and taking it to him, it transformed into wine. And that's where we, where we see God move, when we take a step of faith and do it. I mean, could you imagine that <laughs> these are pots that they want, like cleanse themselves with, and then the servant's like, I don't know what this guy's saying. I'm going to, here, can you come drink this, Scott Isaacs? You can try it? I know. Oh, can we welcome Scott Isaacs back? We love Scott. If you didn't know, he was down um, under the weather for a little bit, but we love you, and we're glad you're back, so... East Campus is not the same without you and your beautiful bride. We love you guys. So anyway, it did take a step of faith for those servants too because that'd be embarrassing to feed someone or give someone some dirty water. So, but it wasn't. So great job. Thank you, Jesus, right? Oh my gosh. But I feel like, um, thank you. This, <laughs> this was Jesus's first miracle. And I believe that it shows us something deeper. So the passage starts out on the third day. Okay, where have we seen that before? In the wine, symbolic of Jesus' blood that we take for communion, an atonement for our sins. Hmm. And Jesus had the servants gather wash pots of stone, that's us, filled with water, the word of Christ. Are we still trying to wash ourselves with, these, with the water, or have we let God transform us? Have we been transformed? And the best vintage of ourselves is one that is transformed by the power of Christ. Have we let God do that to us today? Oh my goodness, so good. In verse 11, this act in Cana of Galilee was the first sign Jesus gave, the first glimpse of his glory, and his disciples believed in him. You know, and it doesn't say that everyone, probably the people at the wedding didn't even know what had happened. You know, the servants knew, the disciples saw, his mom knew. You know, but so I feel like this miracle, it wasn't to try to impress like, oh, you know, I can give you all this wine if I want. You know, the, the, Jesus didn't come to, to do miracles to show off. A lot of his miracles were because people... You wanted healing. They came to him. They've asked him. They, you know, Jesus came to preach the gospel and to seek and save the lost. But miracles, he couldn't help but have miracles in his wake because he is God. Whatever he touched was transformed and, and miracles were all over. Healings and go. If you don't, if you're not familiar with his miracles, read the gospels. They're every, you know, when you look through here, especially Luke, it's like, eyes opened, person set free, person healed, you know, walked on water, water into wine. There's all these miracles on here that followed him in, in, his, in his ministry. And a lot of people in the Bible, they would follow him just to get a miracle. They would hear about what he was doing and show up at where he was. And, and I, I kind of struggled with that a little bit because there's a couple times he says, Oh, don't tell anyone what I've done. But I'm like, well, don't you want to? I, I was like, 
does, don't, aren't we supposed to tell, tell our testimony so that people are healed? But, but I think it, well, I don't really know their answer, but I think it's because Jesus came on a mission. He really had three years to complete his mission. And if he had only people just coming for healings, which people were anyway, I don't think he would have fulfilled his purpose. He wouldn't have had time. I mean, as it was, he had to go out into the wilderness. He had to go out on a boat to preach because everyone was coming around him. But also I feel like he came because he didn't want people to come after him just for the miracle. He wanted people to come to him to know his father and to be in relationship with him. So, I mean, it's just amazing what Jesus has done for us. And we live in a time now that this is still happening. So if you take anything away from today, it's that God is still doing miracles and we can believe him for that. Okay. Amen. So now is the time for miracles. And I just, I just believe that with everything going on and with 2020, I feel like this is, this is the time. I don't know how active you've been in your faith or for believing or if you've just been complacent or, or sitting around and hoping things would get better. But I feel like at Awaken Church that we have been equipped for this time, that we have, this, this year has been an, like a year of endurance, of, of praying and believing and pressing through. But now I feel like this end of the year, I feel like it is time for miracles, God. Like we have been believing, we have been praying, we have been, um, you know, fasting, we have been having church, you know, wherever we can in parking lots. We just thank you, God, for what you're doing. That, that I just feel like now at the end of this year, we're going to see God move. Amen. Oh my goodness. I just, I just get teared up right now because I, I just feel like he wants to do something miraculous here. And I feel like we're on the edge of something. We're on the edge of a breakthrough. And I'm just so thankful to be a part of a church that, um, you know, believes in, in healings and miracles and that, that Jesus is just, uh, that he's here with us now. He hasn't left us. I used to, that was something I, I also used to think. I was like, wow, that's so great for the disciples. They, if they just wanted a miracle, they could go to Jesus. And then God's like, I'm still with you. We have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so that was a reminder too. So reminder for someone here that he is with you. But the first thing, you know, is having a relationship with him. So we're going to pray for you at the end if you don't know Jesus. But I want everyone to stand right now. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says, if you can believe, all things are possible. So I just want to pray for each and every person here. If you are believing for a miracle, and I know DJ set me up, Michael set, Pastor Michael set me up. DJ actually didn't know what I was preaching on, but it's all in alignment. So if you are believing for God to move in your world right now, I just want you to raise your hands and I want to pray over you right now. So there's, there should be hands all over this place. There should be someone in your world that you're believing for a miracle for in your family and um, just in for yourself, for your business. Um, and I just want to pray for you. God, I just thank you right now that you are here. You are the God of miracles. We thank you, Lord, that you are bringing healing into this place, that you're moving on people's lives, that, that there, there's forgiveness happening, that there's families coming back together, that there's restoration. I just thank you. We thank you, God, that our faith is activated. That I thank you, God, that we fill ourselves with your word. I thank you, God, that we stand on your promises that you have given us in your Bible. I thank you, God, as we prophesy these things out, that we can, we can, we know that they will be fulfilled because you always 
you always answer your word, God. And I just thank you for each and every person here with hands raised. I thank you that you meet them in their place. I thank you, God, for miracles and testimonies to come out of Awakened Church East Campus. I thank you for miracles on Second Street. I thank you, God, for Awakened Church as we take ground in the city. And I just pray for each and every person here that during this Christmas season where we celebrate your birth, Jesus, I thank you, God, that we believe for you to do what only you can do. And we give that to you. We lift these things up to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.